0: What is going on, guys? We are in the zone here with all three people this week. It's going to be a fun one. I'm going to start this one off because this is uh, Alino's team. He's predicted them to sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning before, and now they get that fide superstar who just actually got benched not too long ago. Um, Alino, what are your thoughts on Patrick Laine? We all know that. He's uh, at times he's shown that he can be a little bit stubborn, but uh, Tortorella, you called this pretty damn early on. Tortorella was going to eventually bench him at some point. Why do you think that is? And do you think uh, Patrick Liney's attitude can bring a damper to this team?
1: Yeah, uh, Patrick Liney, superstar. Uh, we saw his goal scoring capability in Winnipeg. Going up to Torrance, though, already with the coaching staff, not a good first impression. Uh, I don't know what he said to the guys, but clearly that's not going to fly in their dressing room. John Tortorella's uh, not that kind of guy, so he benched him, and already everyone started talking. He's not going to last through the end of the year. I still think eventually uh, he'll get right on track. It's a new team. uh, Once he gets adjusted to the team, and that it's probably beneficial for him to stay there. Uh, he'll come around and buy in, but off the bat, we've seen this a lot of times with star players and torts. He likes to push the right buttons. Sometimes it works, and uh, sometimes it doesn't. We saw in the Rangers what it did, uh, but we also saw so far in Columbus with guys like Panarin, uh, Dubois, in the playoffs last year, it seemed to work. So maybe this is just his way of uh, telling Lion like, you, you're coming into our team. Uh, you got to learn how to conduct yourself properly. And everybody will be happy. But uh, I think Liony just has to cool off a little bit. It's a new team, but uh, he'll get back on track.
2: Yeah, we said that a couple weeks ago. Um, It's going to be a funny dynamic towards Liony. We're going to see how it's going to be like a fucking episode of Monday Night Raw with all the drama. But he got his trade. He's on a new team. I think for now, he's just got to keep his mouth shut and (laughs) and do what he says. Because right now, he got what he wanted, but he's still in no position. So, new team, still got to settle in. Guy's a great player. Let's go.
0: I'll never forget when he first went there, and they had the big banner, and he and it looked like he didn't even like he, it didn't phase him at all. He just looks at it. Oh, this is okay, cool. And then he goes onto the rink, and I remember the cameraman's all in his face. He's stepping on the ice, and he looks like he's literally frowning, like going on the ice for the first time with with Columbus. I don't know if it was because he had to do the quarantine period uh, for getting traded from a Canadian to an American team. I don't know if that pissed him off or not. But yeah, he it hasn't been a good start for him. And uh, yes, he's been pretty good. But I actually want to ask this next question. Jack Roslovich has actually not been that good in his NHL career thus far. He hasn't had a big, big opportunity in Winnipeg with guys like Stastny coming back, having well, Brian Little really hasn't been there the last two years. He's been injured. But you have Shifley, who's clearly the number one center there. Do you think Jack Rozlevich can maybe surpass Max Domi as the number one center? Because right now, Rozlevich is looking like he's fitting perfectly. He's on a five-game point streak. What are your guys' thoughts on Roslevic's, uh beautiful chemistry so far with Columbus?
2: He's... Uh... He's one of those guys, like, a list of so many where he has all the talent. But, yeah, like you said, he's never had that chance. He's playing so far down in the lineup. But same thing with line eight, just on a bigger scale. Like, now he finally has that opportunity. I think he's playing top-line center right now. I don't know if that's going to last. But, yeah, he's always the skill's always been there. Uh, hopefully, he can get it going. I don't – the five-game point streak's a real nice sign for him. But I, I think he's a – at best, a uh, uh, second-line center, like if everything pans out to his full potential. But, yeah, I think he's a solid player for sure. He's fitting in well.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree. I think he's a good fit for that team. Uh, it's good that they got him and Line A. They didn't just go one for one. So it shows that they have long-term uh, hopes for him to maybe even be that second-line center. I still think Domi, though, is a guy you want there on the top line. Uh, Once he eventually figures it out there, I think that's going to be a good combination. Him, Atkinson, uh, you got Line there too. Uh, But just looking at the way that he's played so far, he's going to play Domi out on occasions, probably on the power play. Uh, But long term, if Domi's not your top line guy, then that trade before the season is going to look pretty bad at the end of this year. And it's going to maybe cause a GM to have to make another drastic move just to change everything around. So uh, so far, so good, though.
0: We talked earlier about team chemistry, team morale, and coming to a new system and basically accepting your role and accepting a different atmosphere. Uh, do you guys think Patrick Laine, moving forward, if he doesn't really click with this team in maybe the next, like, I'll say 10 games, do you really see him lasting here, first of all, in Columbus? And secondly, if it's not Columbus, where would you like to see Line? end up if it's not long term in Columbus
2: he's got a uh, he's on the two year deal right yeah oh man okay I'm still thinking like smaller market because I don't know if he wants to be in that limelight because yeah he seems like the guy that wants to be the star somewhere so um Ooh. What if I said Minnesota? How funny would that be?
0: That would be pretty funny. That would that would be uh <laughs> that would be out of left field, I'm not gonna lie. But they're they're a similar team, like Columbus. They haven't really had a consistent star stay there for longer than five years, six years. Other than what, Rick Nash when he was like twenty. That was probably the last time you had a a committed superstar on the Columbus Blue Jackets, so I hope for their sake that Line A ends up staying, but, I mean, they had it nice with Dubois, and he left. So, uh, if it's Minnesota, that's, that just sounds hilarious, but it's not too far-fetched. It's just, I, you know you know how it is with Minnesota. You can never really take them seriously, especially after that Parise and Suter, <laughs> uh, both those contracts at the same time. Oh, my God. Well, so and much- Healy. Healy.
1: Cheater Instead <laughs> oh, of Gucci, like they had a lot of good ones over there.
0: <laughs> yeah. They had some guy named Brent Burns. I don't know if he turned out pretty oh, good. Oh
1: man. One for one, him for Heatley. Good times. But <laughs> like line though, like I think right now it's going to be the opportunity for a playoff team, a contender to, uh, if Columbus doesn't make the playoffs and they're on the outside looking in, that's where you're going to see a team come out and just go all aggressive. Like a uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, uh, as crazy as this might sound, even in Toronto, if they can make salary work, because, uh, on that RFA deal, uh, at the end of the year. So his salary right now, once it, uh, after the trade deadline, once it comes to like 50% retained by the team he's on, you can even retain more. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities. It's going to be an attractive piece for a lot of teams. And if Columbus are not in a playoffs, they're just going to sell why they can, and uh, I think like maybe a first, multiple first, if they can see the value in them going to another team. And they'll take a desperate team. I think Pittsburgh would be one to watch just because right now with uh, Berkey and Hextall coming in and the window being so small for their success, I think that's an aggressive team that's going to make a ballsy move like that.
0: Yeah, I agree, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. Like, does Lionel want to be like a Panarin where he you know he, he hones his skills in the North American level. It's taken it's taken Line a, a little longer than Panera, and he literally just came over and dominated right away. But can you guys maybe see Line a maybe after this bridge deal kind of still look to be that number one option in a bigger market. So maybe like if 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 this is this is this sounds far fetched, but maybe like Pittsburgh or Chicago because those two t- those two teams you have Kane and Taves, Crosby, Malkin. They're they're getting older. you know. Uh, I'll transition this to Berkey getting hired as the GM in Pittsburgh after this. But can you really see Liney maybe going to one of those two teams if he still believes in himself to be a number one option in a big market?
2: I think um, I think we're all on different pages here. I think, like, you're saying big market. I just said fucking Minnesota. So I can see him going to one of those teams where it's like... <laughs> The media is not as fucking crazy over there, and he can kind of just focus on himself and the play. Yeah, Columbus is the same thing, but you know him getting benched is really the the best start. I think, yeah. Either way, he wants to be that number one option. I don't think it'll be on one of those teams though, like Pittsburgh or Chicago. But yeah, I, like he. I think last year when it came to his style of play, he's coming off his best year. I know he didn't have the forty-four goal season like he did in his second year. It was, but. Like, I, don't, I think people need to pump the brakes on lining when it comes to that stuff.
1: you think L.A. could be one? Like, Kopitar's playing amazing. Doughty, you can't trade that contract. Do they feel like maybe they're kind of desperate and might as well, if you're going to have those guys long-term, bring lining into the fold over there in a big city, I guess, in L.A.?
0: I just feel like I bring up the big markets because that's just how he is. That's how he's been since coming in the league. He's been a big market type feel. Like when we went to watch that game uh, with Finland, Russia, everyone was just talking about line. It wasn't even about like, Aho and the other guys like line. was like the superstar guy that didn't even play in the NHL yet. So that's, that's kind of why I bring up the big market. It's not like his, his play or anything. I think it's, I think he wants to be in the big market. That's just my opinion. if, he looked as unpleasant as he did going to Columbus the first time, uh, uh, going on on the ice with them the first time. But I can see him in L.A. They've been desperately wanting a winger for a long time. For some reason, they got rid of Toffoli, and look how, look how he's playing in Montreal right now. Absolutely amazing. So, yes, Quentin Byfield is probably going to be a great hockey player. Gabe Velarde's looking pretty good, too. But, yeah, again, Kopitar's like 32, 33. Dowdy's already 30. So, yeah, I, if, if Liney can manage after this bridge deal to maybe go to L.A., not only will I think that fit his personality, but I think that'll also benefit that franchise in him as well as an individual player.
2: You know what would fit his personality? The Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> <laughs> Three years yeah. into the league, and they're already trading around, trading away first-round picks and their futures, and they made the Cup finals. And they're like, you know what? Let's take a gamble on this guy. Could pay off huge. Picture lining on Vegas.
0: Yeah, that would be that'd be terrifying.
1: The only thing, like, how can they afford him? Like that team can't even afford uh like anything. <laughs> like even a, a seventh-round like type of guy that goes uh, bubble fourth-line player. They're a uh, cap tied there because of Petrangelo's contract. But if they can make it work. I wouldn't be surprised. Imagine Line a in the the Las Vegas strip. That'd be something.
0: Alino, there's always <laughs> money in Vegas. They're gonna launder money from the casinos to afford it.
1: So <laughs> I'll paying we'll, a million, we'll give you eight million.
0: Here, here you go. Here you go, Line. A. Okay, I come to Vegas and do well. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know with Line. A. I think with this Columbus ordeal, I think it's just I think it's just his ego kind of getting the best of him the first first week, two weeks, like they compare him to Ovi just based off of his like bravado. Not not like okay, Ovi's nuts. We know when he scores, he sells, he jumps on the on the boards, and we've seen it year after year. But with Line, a, it's still pretty fresh. He's yes, you know the first two years of his career, he's he looked like the next Ovi. But he's kind of taken a back step in terms of goal scoring. But he's just trying to round out his game, and that's just the type of player he is. He's gonna go out there and not be a great defensive player get the goals and and be very like nonchalant about it. So um, I think, I think that's why he's, he's been benched early on. I think it's just the way he plays and Tortorella obviously does not, he doesn't care about like, you know, how well he is. If he's going to bring that attitude, we all know what Tortorella is going to do. He's going to bench him. Um, But yeah, moving on, I'm going to talk now about the Pittsburgh Penguins and Jim Rutherford, you know, just basically, I won't say give up. That sounds really harsh, but (laughs) <laughs> he steps down as he steps down as the GM in Pittsburgh. He sees it's it's a mess there. The tank's contract's terrible. You have Malkin Crosby. Malkin has actually not been that dominant this season. He's actually struggled pretty mightily. Um, Rust has been one of the only bright spots on the team this year. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on Pittsburgh's situation? And uh, do you think Brian Burke can be the savior here?
2: Take it.
1: Oh. This is a risky one. When I saw Hextall, I'm like, you know what? He understands the market over there in Pennsylvania. Could work. Then they bring Brian Burke and that's the like that's not an option to rebuild. Like you're bringing him in he's like 65 years old. He doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. He had a nice cushy job at SportsNet. Like I don't think he's going there to lose. And you look at Pittsburgh's roster and it's kind of disappointing. Like Crosby, Malkin, Latang, they're getting older. They traded Matt Murray, Fleury out. And now they're just looking to get that success that they had five years ago. So they're going to have to get creative with trades. They don't have too much cap space. They have like a mixture on their roster. It's not like a winning contending team right now. It's not like a rebuild team. It's kind of like Chicago almost, like which direction they're going to go in. So that first couple weeks that Berkey's in charge with Hextall, when they look at some teams to trade with, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of moves they have planned.
2: Is there any way, because we've seen Brian Burke do this in the past, obviously, is he going to trade one of those big guys right away? Does he is, have the ball to is, do that?
0: Yeah, if it is, it's tang. I'm sorry. Like his, yeah. his days are numbered in, in Pittsburgh. They, got, they just signed, I know like this sounds funny because he sounds like a freaking football player, but John Marino, they just, they, they just signed him, I think, to six years. So I don't know if they're... They're looking at okay. this guy as like the, the offensive power play specialist on the team. They really don't have a lot of other players. They got rid of Olimata. They got like they got rid of Justin Schultz. I really don't know who's really on their blue line that consistently put up offensive numbers. So I wouldn't be surprised if he looked like if, if Burke looks through the contracts, he sees like a Brandon Tanev getting six years, sees Chris Latang getting I think he's still had another two or three years. I think those two guys are the first guys that are probably on the way out.
2: I think for this year, they'll uh, they'll let it play out, though. Because it it is still the Pittsburgh Penguins. And even though they got bounced by the Habs, they were still, what, like fifth or sixth in points last year? Something like that. So you still got Crosby, Malkin. You got got Gensel, Zucker. Um, I'd let this year ride out, and then maybe the questions can come up instead of just throwing away this season. Because, you know, with the, with Crosby and Malkin, I know it's not looking pretty right now, but you got to go off history. you got to let those boys play. Hopefully they find it along the way this year.
1: Yeah, Berkey, I don't think he'll trade Crosby, just because, remember all the years that he was always talking about Crosby, and he said, yeah, you're this close to being a duck in that stupid draft lottery. <laughs> I don't think he's going to go first thing and trade Crosby. I think that's a guy he's going to keep, just so he can say, I ended up getting Crosby on the team. It only took like 15 years, but... He had him. So uh, just on that, if there's a guy, though, that he can trade for that he might look to and it would be like a real aggressive move, maybe Ryan Getzlaff. Uh, I think he has one year left on his contract. So if they can make salary work or Anaheim's not in a playoff position, they see, you know what, we'll trade you for considerations or something, allow you to get bought out or do a three-team deal, I wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh's in the mix to get a guy like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's nuts. No, that's not- Gets, Getslav, Malkin, and Crosby on a team is nuts. It's not fair. <laughs> I, th- I think if Burke though, if he go, like I feel like the first move he will make, and it seems pretty harsh to say because they literally had Flurry and Murray. Now they like they're really in a goalie conundrum. Like you have Jari, who's he had a great year last year, but we all know the troubles that Matt Murray was going through. You know, personal issues. He had to leave for a bit. Uh, So I feel like Murray is still the way better goalie than Jari. And they they just went off of the one year. Kind of like, I won't say Jari's like a Leonard because Leonard's still consistently been putting up pretty good numbers in Vegas. But they need a goalie if they want to be that team and not waste this year because Jari has looked awful. DeSmith has looked awful. And their defense, if they end up trading with Tang, it's not going to look pretty, uh, especially uh, from February moving forward. Uh, so they have a lot of questions. I know we all know that Burke knows what he's doing. I'm just excited to see what he's going to do. I think almost everyone is on the block. I'll say, except probably Crosby and Gunsel.
2: Ooh. Think Gino's available over against That'd be tough.
0: I don't know. I, I, I only say that cause like Gunsel's 25. He, he, he has some promise. And then there's Malkin who he's struggling. He's 34. Everyone knows how great he is. I guarantee you, if he if he just like called someone, and said, Yeah, Malkin's available. You're definitely gonna get calls regardless. And again, they're a team that's in limbo. They really don't know if they're a playoff team, if they're, you know, okay, they're not they're not gonna be like way out of the playoffs, but you know, they're they're a bubble team right now. We really don't know if they're gonna be contenders. I really don't want to say contenders right now. Just looking at their defensive depth chart, it's a joke. So, yeah, I'm just gonna say you have to you have to move the goalies if when Brian Burke arrives and he's gonna do it in style. He's gonna put those sunglasses on and he's Jari. I'm sorry, you're getting traded.
1: <laughs> Probably to Carolina for uh, James Reimer.
2: That's <laughs> 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 Optimus Rhyme. Only they had a guy like Matt Murray.
1: Oh. Oh. Imagine, <laughs> but Malkin though, like I know Dallas was always out there as a team that it was they were kind of interested in him, um, like the contract offer, like it looked like he was gonna go there if he didn't get the deal with Pittsburgh. So, I don't know, do you think that could work? Like Dallas has a lot of defensive depth, and Pittsburgh has none. I think Malkin to Dallas right now would make sense if they can get someone back on D.
2: Um, could you just um, yeah, yeah could you imagine, could you imagine like <laughs> if he did a Malkin for Sagan swap and then you throw a D in there with Sagan
1: because
2: oh. it'll be like uh, I could have had Sid oh yeah, he also could have had Tyler and you got yeah <laughs> you got them both.
1: <laughs> then he brings Phil yeah. from Arizona back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> he has all three of them. Oh man, that's a party.
0: Oh, then, that, then at that point, he just became GM to freaking boost his ego and everything that he's wanted to do. But <laughs> I, I don't like if I, if that happens, I would die of laughter. I don't see Sagan and Crosby working out at all. I don't I don't see that working out. Um, but Malcolm Malkin being with Jamie Ben, imagine that line. Oh my God, two horses going at you. That would definitely put some fear in the in the opponents for sure. Um, at that point Joe Pavelski would probably be the happiest man on the planet so yeah I mean if I'm Dallas I'm doing that Sagan to me yes he's younger than than Malkin but to me he's never really reached his full potential in Dallas so maybe a, a new change of scenery is needed like like look what happened with Taylor Hall when he went when he literally went to New Jersey that one year right after leaving Edmonton sometimes a change of scenery really changes a player so If Sagan can leave Dallas and actually finally become an offensive player that we've hoped and dreamed of for years, then I would definitely do it if I'm Dallas um, or any other GM for that matter.
2: What have you been expecting out of Tyler though? Like, were you waiting for that 40 gold, 90 point year out of him? Because he's always been like, I've been been
0: waiting for that since
2: 2015. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It seems like he's going to do it every fucking year and then. You'll finish with like around thirty goals and seventy plus points, and we're like, Yeah, it's a good year. There's there's more from him, but that was still a good year. But yeah, if he were to slide in that second line spot there, that would be something else. But yeah, I've I've only heard Malkin to Dallas, like when it comes to trade rumors about him. So if that were to happen, like you'd look at fucking Klingberg and Heisken, and I don't think they'd ever part ways with Heisken and so
1: Yeah, probably Klingberg.
2: Yeah, and then maybe like a Gurian off. It's it's a monster deal either way.
0: Yeah, that would be huge. Um, but like, yeah, it's funny with Sagan. I always thought he would kind of be like a Stamkos, as crazy as that sounds now. Like I always thought he would be like a ninety-point guy, um, and then all of a sudden he started turning into more of like a Bergeron-esque. Not kidding, not Bergeron, like two-way, but like points, like sixty-five, seventy, sixty-five to seventy-five is what you're getting out of Sagan and. You know, you you anticipate 40 goals, his IQ is elite, and, you know, his shot is great. But he kind of gave that to Jamie Benn. You know, Jamie Benn was, like, more of the playmaker at first. And then you started seeing Jamie Benn start going 40 for 40. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's very disappointing that for – at least for me as a hockey fan, knowing that Sagan never really reached his full offensive potential. But, yeah, if I'm any GM – Especially, like I said, Pittsburgh, like Sagan and Crosby sounds unreal, but I don't really know if that would work, honestly. Like I'm, unless Crosby wants to take a back seat, and uh, I really don't know how that would, like a, like a guy like Sidney Crosby, I don't know if he could ever accept a role like that.
2: I don't think he has to, though. It's fucking Crosby, I think he's his last year in the league, he'll get like 85 points, and then he'll retire on top.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with that.
2: But uh, do you think, uh, real quick, do you think Tyler's going to get back to, to form after this uh, year's over? If, say, if,
0: if Stamkos can do it, then yes, then Sagan can do it. Stamkos has gone through hell, and he's putting oh, up. I think, he, I think he has 16 and 11 right now. So, yeah, I, I absolutely I – th- like, he won't put up Stamkos numbers, but I'm saying if Stamkos can come back from, like, a, I think he's had a blood clot – broken leg, uh, foot problems. So yeah, I I do think as long as Sagan puts in the work as we've seen in all those Under Armour commercials, then yeah, I think he should be fine. I love it. So we're going to, we're going to move on because this is going, we got to talk about Austin Matthews. I just want to bring him up and Marner and the Leafs because they've been absolutely killing teams. I think they're nine, two and one. Matthews has scored in seven straight games. What are your guys' thoughts, Piniello? I know you have Marner and Matthews in fantasy. Um, and, okay, you know what, actually, you know what? Let's, let's, let's hold off for the Leafs for a sec. Vancouver, we've seen the last three games. They've gotten absolutely obliterated by the Leafs. We've seen them get obliterated by Montreal. Is this a fad, or is this the real Vancouver Canucks?
2: I'm, I'm hoping it's a fad. Um, yeah, their defense is fucking atrocious. And then you play a team like Toronto and we, we just, we, we let them the fuck up all three games. So uh, I think Quinn Hughes leads their team in points. He's only got a goal on the season. It's just, I don't know what the hell is going on with them right now. Uh, when you look at that North American division, like the Canadian division, I just thought you've you kind of swap Montreal and Vancouver. And we're like, yep, that's pretty much it. And other than that, I think we predicted the whole thing, the way it's going so far, but The talent's there for Vancouver, right? It's just kind of a... It's a head-scratcher for me that they only got, like, five or six wins so far.
1: Yeah, it's weird, especially Holpe's in net. That's a Stanley Cup winner, and, like, their D... Like, they looked like they had everything going for them at the start of the year. Pedersen, Besser, like, Horvat doing well, and just, I don't know what happened. I just think they're way too good on paper... And then you look on that, like the way they've been playing against even Montreal, it's uh, we're looking rough. I think the GM is uh, like, you got praise for making these big moves. I think he's gonna feel uh, probably the wrath of the owner if this doesn't go well. He might be on the way out.
0: Yeah, I was, I was saying to my brother the other day because we were watching the game. I'm like this team, like Travis Green should be fired in the next ten days if they don't get like three wins because this team is looking terrible. I remember. I think I don't know if they won seven three or six three. One of the games. I'm just looking at. I'm just looking at Vancouver, and they just looked like lost. Like they looked. They did not look there at all. JT Miller has looked like a shell of himself from last year. Which I don't want to say it's a one season wonder like Foligno, but like he's got way too much talent to be called that. But he hasn't looked in it at all. Vertanen as well. Like last year, I think he had 20 goals. This year he, he's he's struggling, and then when you talk about the GM being one of the problems, you look at the contracts of Brandon Sutter, Louis Erickson. It starts to eat up at your team, and and like I asked Steve this too the other day, I said, "What do you think the issue is?" And he said, that "The defense is terrible. Letting Tanev go was a big mistake." And uh, he said, "Jakob Markstrom, uh, believe it or not, he thinks he's better than Holpi and Demko, and he thinks." Letting Markstrom walk was also a huge mistake. So what are your guys' thoughts on um, those two moves being really crucial to this, to this team? Did you see it coming with Tanev and Markstrom?
2: With, uh, with Markstrom, kind of, yeah. Uh, just because when you look at Demko and his kind of emergence, they're like, okay, we're going to move on from this guy and because Markstrom was eventually going to get that deal from someone. So they like they got hopey for a couple of years and then Demko can slide in there. So when you, when you looked at last year, Markstrom really built a lot of, uh, a lot of games, which makes sense. Now when you look at how the D's playing and how everything's playing out for them. So yeah, um, I'm not crazy. I'm not a big fan of Markstrom like most people, but yeah, you, you really see where he saved them last year.
1: Yeah. I thought last year he was amazing. And, Uh, with the way Demko played I thought if they didn't get Holpe this guy should have been the one to step in but now with him and Holpe together it's like do you go with the hot hand one night do you go with the other guy the other night like I don't even think they even know who's really going to pull them out of this but right now it's not looking good and you look at the team around them it's a team that should be competing with Toronto and Edmonton at the top of the division and they're not so yeah, Travis Green, like Chris, you brought up there, and for sure, Benning, they're going to be evaluated this whole next month, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if one of them are like fired within that time.
0: Yeah, and on the other hand, you know, we've made fun of um, Montreal's GM numerous times, Bergevin, and you know, he signs Josh Anderson, and at first, I'm looking at that contract, I still think it's too much. I think he got five million, and it 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 just looks it looked silly at the beginning, but You look at the top two lines in Montreal right now, and it's looking really sunny in Montreal. Like you have Suzuki there, who's looking like a mini Bergeron. You have Gallagher, who continues to just pepper goalies with shots every single year. Um, Jonathan Drouin, we bashed him earlier on. I think it was like four or five pods ago about how he has to step up. He's at a point of game right now. And then you have Josh Anderson, who comes in on the second line. And he's already, I think, at eight goals. And, like, you could flip-flop Anderson to Foley and Gallagher on the top lines with a playmaker like Drew Ann. Like, this team is, I won't say they're going to, I don't think they'll be top three in this division still. But I don't see them being as bad as we used to say, like, about three, four months ago. So, kudos to Bergevin. Jeff Petrie's having a year. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Montreal? And I'll say this again. Is this a fad or... Is Montreal really for real here as well with Jake Allen?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fucking pissed off because I think it's for real. I, th- I had them like right ahead of Ottawa and like, <laughs> as I just said <laughs> before, like swap Vancouver and Montreal. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what we all said. But uh, yeah, they, they're just, they're pretty deep with their forwards and I they, they love the way they play and Fucking Petrie, ever since he's left Edmonton, has just flourished playing with, uh, now with Shea Weber, Jesus. And Toffoli's running back the clock. Yeah, Suzuki, like you said, he stepped in immediately in the top six. Um, holy shit. Josh Anderson's like, uh, not, not like Zach Hyman, but it's like how we view him. It's like, we, we fucking need Hyman. I feel like Montreal's like, we need Josh Anderson. We need that kind of player. Dren, I got to pump the brakes on him because he starts off one of the best in the league and then he falls off the face of the earth like th- three months later. But, you know, they're pretty solid. <laughs> Good for them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, I think Weber, has a, he deserves some credit here. I think he's a guy that should be like a lot of people were writing him out of the league last year, uh, but he turned it around. He still proved he can be among the best defensemen in the game. As long as he keeps this form, I think Montreal will make the playoffs. But if he gets injured, that's a deal breaker. Because then you're relying more on Carey Price like you did uh, at times last year. Uh, you still got into the playoffs. That was because of the new format. But if you get into that situation again, they're going to be on the outside looking in. And it's going to look a little rough if Jake Allen has to step in on a few occasions if it's a big game. So as long as Weber's healthy, this team's good to go.
0: The one thing I love about Montreal being so successful is the analysts are absolutely blowing these players out of proportion. Like I think Kelly Rudy said that, or I don't know if it was Kelly Rudy or David Amber. They're like, yeah, I could see Josh Anderson as a Jamie Ben and I started dying of laughter. (laughs) I was like, you got to relax here. Like he is not a 40 and 40 guy. He's not going to, he's not going to be the captain of Montreal. You have to relax there. And but, in terms of like I will give them I will give Berggevin credit. he saw the contract, and you know Paetti kind of starting to decline. I don't really know if that's even true because he's still putting up numbers in in Vegas. I think he just had a forty goal season last year, but you know, you trade Paetti for a young stud in Suzuki um I was actually I was very fond of him when he got drafted, so he's coming, and yeah, he's blossomed even last year in the playoffs. I think he had seven and like ten or I think he had yeah like seven and ten games. So he's coming, he's fit well perfectly. But um, moving on from Montreal, I also want to talk quickly about Calgary and Johnny Goudreau and, and Monaghan because again, I know is gonna love this because last year guys were bashing the shit out of them saying, Oh, you know, Monaghan, he's not an 80-point guy, he's not an offensive weapon. You know, he 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 was consistent for the first five, six years, and now he's starting to fall off at twenty-six years old. And look at what him and Goudreau are doing right now. They're absolutely killing it. Goudreau has actually improved his defensive game. Do you guys maybe see Calgary being better than Winnipeg this season? Or do you still give the edge to the Winnipeg Jets, even with Goudreau's improved play?
2: I'll I'll give it to the Jets slightly. But, like, yeah, that's... uh think that's going to be the matchup going down the line when you look at it now it's like toronto edmonton montreal and then winnipeg and calgary are right there and then the other two holy fuck i don't know what's going on there but yeah we've seen it with the flames before their success in the past godro and monaghan have lit up the league a few years in a row and then they had a little hiccup last year and then all right fucking trade everyone no nah, they're still good to go and now they got fucking markstrom over there so I'm not really that surprised it's um I don't think it's uh, either of you guys are either, so flames are solid uh they have a chance to get in for sure, but it's it's gonna be tough with the jets and Oilers right there.
1: yeah, I think the flames might be a little bit better than the jets overall like I think their defensive depth is probably what helps them uh, goalies obviously heibucks better, but uh if you want calgary like Calgary and Winnipeg matching up, their blue line is probably with the deal breaker. Uh, Monahan too, like he's just like he's been in the league now. It's crazy to even think like it seems like he's 35 years old when you look back at all the years he's been playing in Calgary and playing at a high level, scoring 30 goals. He's still young. So there's a lot of in development there for him. Goudreau, too. So I think they're only getting better. And just the way they came into the league, I think a lot of people may have uh, got their hopes up a little too much. Maybe think they're going to get like 120 points a year, be like McDavid, Drysidal. but I think they're just as good as being 80 to 90 point guys and still being impact players. And I still think they should make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, you I definitely agree. Look at their defensemen there. Like what Mark Giordano did for TJ Brody all those years. Look what he's doing for Rasmus Anderson right now. We talk about their defensemen and then you could slide Noah Hannafin down the lineup. So Yeah, when it comes to their defensemen, they they fucking smoke the Jets there.
0: Oh, yeah, they might have the best in the league. You even have a guy like Shillington who could, in this day and age, in this NHL, he can thrive. You have Valamacki, who at this point is looking like he's not even going to be relevant in Calgary. So they have a lot of depth there. They have Tanev as well on the third pairing, and he's a shutdown. He's, he's, He's on everybody's list to get a defenseman. I'm sorry. Like, you need a guy like Tanev. So... Um, Kudos to them for getting him and Marksham. You say Hellebuck's better than Marksham. It's closer than we think. Um, But I I guess that's for another day. Now I'm going to move on quickly to the Toronto Maple Leafs and then we'll move on from hockey, talking about the dominance of Marner and Matthews and even Jason Spezza the (laughs) the other day, turning back the clocks, getting the hat trick. Do you think the Leafs are going to finish first in the NHL or do you think something down the line may crumble a bit.
2: Oh, it's the league. Something will crumble. But uh, in, the, in the division, yeah, very good chance to finish first. Just look at the uh, – we've seen this in the past before with our young guys. They always start off hot and then a 56-game season, they could very well end hot. So we brought it up briefly before with Matthews and Marner. They are leading the way uh yeah Tavares and Nylander have been fucking amazing too but the, the other two have just been out of this world have been carrying us Friday really hasn't really had to do a whole lot he's getting like 20 shots a game so yeah the Leafs can very well I'll say they finish like top five They've, they really could
1: and in a the- way though in a way I like, kind of hope they don't finish first, because you know how this market is with that. They'll probably say, oh, if they don't sweep in the first round, some are in trouble. Uh, they're going to get their hopes <laughs> up, already have the parade planned out. So just on that, I kind of hope Edmonton just edges them out for first, have the Leafs finish second, and uh, go from there with not too much expectations on them. But yeah, I think overall, though, like you're looking at their team, the way they've been playing, Spets is amazing. So far, like, since that game where he went on waivers, came back, and just looked like the Ottawa Senators version of him, it was good to see. Uh, Matthews and Marner still leading the way there, and even their D, like, how many times have we seen Frederick Anderson just get 20 shots a game? It's, like, unheard of for this team. So it's a nice little surprise here, and maybe if they continue it, they won't have to rely on him getting, like, injured all the time and having to play too much Campbell can ease back in there get a few games so overall they're on the right track
0: yeah and I also want to shout out um you know Leafs lunch they they, they quickly talked about Sandine and uh his part in this organization and if the Leafs should trade him and and part ways with them because of how well the defense has been Travis Dermott is a guy like Piniello was said time and time again he thinks that like it, it, like this is his last year with the team. I think he signed like seven hundred thousand as well. Um, do you think Rasmus Sandin should be patient and wait it out? Like, because again, they're going with eleven forwards, seven defensemen. They're going with Letnin playing about fourteen minutes. They're going with Hall and Muzzin a lot more than I thought. I think Hall, Muzzin, and Riley are putting up like twenty three and up. So. Do you really see Sandin wanting to play like 12 minutes a night or do you think sooner rather than later he might want out?
2: I'd still uh I'd still wait it out. Yeah, they they fucking love Hall. But yeah, I think he's just going to replace Dermott in that spot in that uh, you know, on that third pairing in the 5-6 positions and yeah, 12 to 15 minutes a night that's that's probably not ideal for him, but yeah, when you look at Morgan Riley, who usually plays half the game, Brody's right there with him. Muzzin and Hole take up a chunk of time, but I just, yeah, I think they're going to stick with that plan when it comes to, you know, the fifth defenseman or whatever. Dermot will be out and Sandy will slide right in there. So, how old is Sandy now? 20, 21?
1: Oh, yeah, he's got to be there. He's so.
0: I think he's 21 or 22 now. So, uh, he's, uh, no, not getting yes. up there in age but like you know you you you're already like you you've been drafted what 2 3 years ago and you've barely played in the league That's going to start getting in your head eventually so i hope they do the right thing i hope they start maybe playing him a bit and then lil grins a whole other issue i don't really think he's ever going to make this team with with the depth that we have especially now with signing brody and having Muzzin another year i, I think Muzzin might be done though after the contract whole as well i really don't know If they're here long term, per se. So maybe that's when Sandin can, you know, be be patient and he should understand that. But at times, man, when you're young and you want to get your feet wet and the team is not playing you, sometimes it just gets in the way. So hopefully that doesn't happen with Sandin. But in terms of Lilgren, he's starting to look like what happened with Bracco. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to amount to anything on this Toronto Maple Leafs roster.
1: Yeah, um, for sure.
2: I haven't heard Lilgren's name since early last year (laughs) it was was the press box days but you just look at long you look at the defenseman on the leaves and you look kind of long term like they signed brody and they got muzzin but like the problems will they'll be right back there if they trade Sandine. like this is the guy i look at for the future as our top four d for the next however many years so they got riley locked up he's he's going to be here for the long haul and other than that I don't fucking know. So they're going to need these young defensemen to step up pretty soon. If it's not Logan, it better be Sandine.
1: Yeah, even looking at Dermot, I think he knows a deal. Like, I think Hall played him out of that spot. Sandine, he knows a deal, I think. It's just Dermott's going to probably get traded. He was there just to see if Hall can maintain that same uh, play. Last year, down the stretch, he was playing well. So I think they were going to see if he can still maintain that. They had Dermot in. And if, let's say, Dermot were to play amazing, he's still not going to resend because at least kind of four and him past a year. So I think he knew that coming in. I think he just used this as an opportunity to maybe play himself into a better deal. But right now, it looks like he's going to have to prove himself going somewhere else. And Sandine's just going to slot in. And probably, I think, 12 to 15 minutes is a good estimate for him. But I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe hold off on it now that they don't have to pull in and. Like, do what they do with Luke Shen, immediately give him like 25 minutes a game. I think they can do a slow build with him, uh, let him make some mistakes on the third pairing and then build him up gradually.
0: I love how they did that with Riley, too, low key. Like, no one really <laughs> talks about that, but they did that with Riley, too. Like, when he came up, RD were just in shambles with Franz and in Fraser and all that, but I don't want to get in that. So, <laughs> we're going to move on. We're going to move on to, uh, I don't know if Alino wants to talk wrestling or he wants to go into hoop. It's up to him here. So I will pass the torch to Giancarlo Alino. Yeah,
1: I'll we'll first get into a little bit of hoop. Uh, I don't know what's going on around the league here, but there's kind of Lowry trade rumors going on. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Oh.
1: oh. <laughs> his house yeah. is up for sale apparently. So Yeah, uh, my,
0: yeah my friend from work, he said uh, he snapped me. Yesterday, he said he saw a listing on on a, on a site that Kyle Lowry's house is for sale. I don't know if that's if we should look too much into that. Um, but you know, he just got her with a back spasm. I think he's back though in the lineup. But you know what? Us as Raptors fans, I don't really think we should be too too worried. Like he's had a great legacy here, and I know Bags is going to disagree with me on this, but he's had a great legacy here. He just hit ten thousand points with us. You know, he has a ring here. He's the greatest Raptor. He's the greatest Raptor of all time. But it comes to a point where, you know, you start looking at the standings. You want this guy to do, to have, you know, some sort of relevancy in the last final years of his career. And if the Raptors can't, you know, get on the positive side in in terms of the wins and losses, then I don't blame Lowry for starting to pack his bags and, 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 you know, Masai trying to get a trade here. Freddie Van Fleet has been outstanding the last five, six games. We saw he got 54 points a career high. Um, clearly, we have to bring that up. He was on fire. He did not miss at all. 11, 11 threes. Um, so if this means, you know, Fred Van Fleet is now the starter, our starting point guard, he can start averaging around 25, 26. He's not going to maintain 30 because that's, that's not like Freddie Van Fleet at all, but... I think the Raptors are finally starting to realize that if Kyle Lowry gets traded, yes, it's going to be a huge loss defensively with the charging fouls and the leadership, but we're not above 500. So this is where a lot of people in Toronto have to start understanding that if we're not going to be a 500 team this year, even though, you know, it's, there's COVID and it's a different type of year, you might have to trade Lowry um, while you can, if you want to get something in return. So I'll say we do trade Lowry, and it's going to hurt a lot. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get all of us in the fields for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've been playing pretty solid too recently. We're, right now we're just in that eighth spot, I think, which would be terrible for the Raps because they'd have to play the fucking Philly or Milwaukee first round. But uh, yeah, if you're going to trade Lowry, that's, that's basically an end of an error. You're going to get picks back. And then that's, you basically look at Fred and you look at Norm. You look at the backcourt, and you're like, all right, there's minutes to go around for everyone. This is your team. You guys are balling out. So he brought up Fred going off that 54-point against the Magic, leaving him wide open for fucking 11 threes. That was awesome. But, like, I think Norms had, like, six straight 20-point games now. He missed a gap in between because the fucking COVID protocol is just killing sports. But then when he came back, just picked up where he left off. And OG was having an amazing year, too, even though he's been out for the last couple of weeks. So yeah, the young guys are really stepping up here for the reps.
1: Yeah, especially, I don't know, this is a weird time, though, too, because you look at, like you guys mentioned, their momentum is a lot better. Either, they would probably have to go in the play-in round, though, which sucks, that little play-in yeah. tournament. So there goes another five, six games, and then that's just, just to make that first round against the top team. But other than that, I still think that they can go into the sixth spot if they just continue winning so i'm not going to count them out yet but if there is a trade for them probably be a deadline move
0: yeah uh it, it to me it it just it the next 2 weeks are huge for the raptors and i won't just say the raptors like also teams like like cleveland and and brooklyn and all these teams that are really generating a lot of interest in the trade market like i've heard um, like Drummond being available, and I don't know how, but apparently that's a thing. So, um, But, yeah, in terms of guys like Freddie Van Fleet and Powell and, and even like Boucher, who at times, you know, Nick Nurse is still kind of hesitant to give him starting minutes at times, but there have been some games where I just look at what he's doing and it's like, how can you not start this guy? How can you not at least try it out for one or two games? I love Aaron Baines, but there, there are just some games where he is just, he's useless. He, he'll get you like five points and like four rebounds. And like, it's just like, come on, man. Like you have Chris Boucher coming off the bench, giving you 21, 11 and like, like four blocks. Like it's ridiculous. Some of the stats that Boucher's putting up. So I feel like us as Raps fans, like, well, yes, Larry, you know, it's, it would be an end of an era, but it wouldn't hurt as much as I think we think in terms of like the way we're all playing. Powell's been balling out. Like you said, I think, I think nine of the last thirteen games, he's put well over twenty points. I think he's averaging about three threes a game too. So, Nick Nurse, if 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 you're Nick Nurse, please do not take Norman Powell out of the starting lineup. Like like, there should even be times where if you want to give Kyle Lowry rest, you can put him as a six man. You could have Van Fleet Powell OG when OG comes back because teams are starting to figure out the the Lowry Van Fleet Powell small ball. So. Uh, regardless, yes, the momentum is there for the Raps, but I think if you're in, like, a 10 to, like, not, like, okay, maybe not, like, if you're in a playoff spot, sure, maybe go with Lowry, but if you're, like, 13th to, like, 9th or 10th, it might yeah. be time to move on from Lowry.
2: Oh, well, for me, um, you brought up Drummond earlier, I am all in on that guy. And his value's not even high, like, the trade last time was nothing. His value is probably, like, a maybe a late first or a second round pick. I would love him in the starting lineup and then Boucher to come off the bench because yeah, you said Baines, some games he will get a fucking point in like six boards in 20 minutes. And then it's like, Oh my God, what do you even like? He can't just be a force defensively, but not really. You got, there's gotta be more to it. So I think if we can pick up a center at the deadline, if they must trade Lowry, or just a move in general, that would be one for sure to look at. Andre Drummond.
0: Oh yeah, if Drummond comes here, we're a contender. I guarantee that. If we get, if we somehow get Drummond and we keep Siakam and OG and Van Fleet, oh my god, that yeah, we're a problem. So yeah, that we gotta circle Drummond on on the trade block. Um, but I've heard rumors that Brooklyn might be the favorite to get him. So I don't yeah, know. Of course, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sure, the Raptors, will Do you try and get Kevin Love and Drummond, or do you just try to get Drummond? Oh, just one of them. <laughs> That's a lot of money. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: yeah, I, I, well, you could probably take a, like It depends. If you want Drummond for the year, because, again, he's a free agent at the end of the year. If you really want Drummond you know, right now, now's the time to get him. He's putting up like 18, 14, and 2.7 blocks or something. So he, he fills a statute every night. Not only is he a great defensive player, his offense has also been outstanding this year. And I actually thought when they got Jared Allen that his his numbers would take a dip, but they really haven't. So, yeah, Drummond, uh, it's weird that he doesn't have a lot of trade value. I don't know if that's because he doesn't shoot threes. Maybe that's the case. But he is definitely probably the best rebounder I have seen since Dennis Rodman. So, yeah, if I'm the Raps, especially with the way some games Baines can't buy a board to save his life get get Andre Drummond that would uh make the Raptors probably a top 5 team in the Eastern Conference. But you know what? Now that I'm talking about Brooklyn, they've lost three straight. James Harden is looking like like again, I said it I think last week or 2 weeks ago, he doesn't shoot anymore. He rarely shoots the basketball. He's literally turned into a Jason Kidd. Like he gets like 13 assists and he'll score like 17. So I don't know if that's Steve Nash coming out of him. I don't know if Steve Nash has said, yeah, just be me in 05. So I really like the defensive game that Harden's played. But when I watched the, the game when it, when it was the Raps and the Nets, it just looked like when Kyrie is very frustrated, everybody gets frustrated on the court. And you could just tell. It, like when I saw that game, Kyrie was missing shots. At times he wasn't getting the ball enough. And you could just tell in his face he just didn't want to be there. So we talk about it time and time again about the egos and like there have been scenarios where I've visibly seen all three of them get pissed off. And even last night or two nights ago, DeAndre Jordan and and James Harden were were yelling at each other too. So it's getting to that point where yes, you know you have Harden, Durant, and Irving on the same team, but like you guys said and like every analyst has said, there's one basketball. So I don't know if it's the chemistry they got to still build on that, but yeah, losing three in a row is definitely concerning for Brooklyn.
2: Yeah. And they got, uh, Kevin Durant missing the next three games as well. Cause the COVID protocol, it's just killing everything for them. But, uh, yeah, Harden's got to be a little more of a hog. As funny as that sounds, cause he's averaging 12 assists, which is amazing. But, uh, they can't just keep giving it up to each other. Like, oh no, you take it. You're the star. No, you take it. Like, you, you gotta, you gotta figure this shit out. The three like, of them. Go,
0: like last night, Kyrie Irving took 29 shots, and James Harden took like 13. So. Nah, I can't. Yes. No. Like, go back. Go look at the. Go look at the 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 player stats, and that's exactly like I don't know if there's times when Kyrie looks, I guess, at the clock, and he's just like, yeah, I need to shoot. I need to take these threes. And it's getting to that point where I have hardened in fantasy and I'm starting to get pissed off. Like you got to start like <laughs> the last eight years of your career. You've led the league almost every single year in field goal attempts and almost three point, uh, three point shots made. And now you're barely shooting the ball. So if he could do what he did in 2016 when he put up like 27, 8 and 11, then this Brooklyn team is a huge problem. But as of right now. It looks like he's just trying to elevate his defensive game because, again, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. But, yeah, it's really concerning to see Harden go, like, 16 and 13. It's, 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 it looks really weird.
1: Who would have thought oh, nice.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you think, um You think on playoff time their depth's going to be a huge issue? Because not saying that those three are ever off – but like, if they're not as amazing as they usually are, like, like fucking Joe Harris and Jeff Green can only do so much.
0: Oh my god, man! Like, I'm looking. I like, I, I'm. I don't want to get on the Max Kellerman bandwagon, but like, the more I watch Philly, the more I like Philly. And like, Embiid is playing at an MVP level. Um, I think it was two weeks ago. Like, LeBron literally almost had to hurt him to win that game. So Embiid right now is a monster. He's finally looking like. The guy that everybody's envis- envisioned him to be, he at, he has the potential to be the best center in the league. But I still think it's Jokic. Um, but it's a great one-two race, and Shaq, I know he's loving that. So, but I, yeah, like if Ben Simmons can put up a little bit more, then to me the Sixers are the clear-cut best team in the Eastern Conference at least right now with the way Embiid is playing. But yeah, if Brooklyn, uh, if they keep like up with these problems. And they run into a really hot Philly team. I don't know, um, Max, with because Max and Steve and A, they basically just said, yeah, Brooklyn's going to the finals. It's it's not as easy as it looks right now with the way Embiid is looking motivated and playing. And even Giannis has gotten better the last couple weeks. So um, it's looking fun. It's obviously those three teams in the East. But, yeah, Brooklyn is not uh, – they're not as great as everyone uh, has has – you know, said them to be. So right now I'll say they need to wake up. And again, where is the real James Harden? Because the real James Harden has to stand up.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Durant too, like for his first season back, he's played amazing. I just think as the season goes on, we'll slowly see Harden put those numbers up. So unless Philly's uh, playing and they have all this momentum going in, I just think Brooklyn is... Just good, like a little better to get past them. But if Philly's hot going into the playoffs and like Embiid's playing at that level, then it's going to get interesting. But other than that, like I don't see Boston beating Brooklyn. I don't see Boston beating, uh, Philly this time. Uh, Miami's there, but I still think they're going to be a lot of question marks with them. And then Milwaukee's the big team there. So it's going to be that race between Philly, Milwaukee, and, uh, probably one of like this i don't know if it will be brooklyn uh like going to the final but uh brooklyn will definitely be in that conference final against one of those two
2: there's not not a whole lot of separation in the east i still want to wait like a month to see like what's going to happen because the race is just it's tight. Like it's, it's Philly's the runaway and then Milwaukee. And then everyone's like tied and wins or one win apart. So you get hot at the right time. Anything can happen. And Brooklyn losing three in a row that, uh, you know, Boston's right up their ass now. And the Pacers have been solid all year too. Alino had him out of the playoffs. They're right there for the fifth fucking seed. But <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tight. It's fun right now.
0: Yeah. In terms of, uh, you said Miami before. I don't really know if... I don't want to say they're like a one-season one, one season wonder, but it's looking like that More the more that I watch Miami. Like, their bench is not doing enough. Kendrick Nunn will come out of nowhere some games and get like 35 points, but then Spolstra will play him like 19 minutes the next game. So, uh, Duncan Robinson, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's not shooting the ball as much, but he's only averaging like... 12 points a game, which to me is a little far-fetched because what we saw in the playoffs, he had the ball a lot and then on Christmas Day, he put up like nine threes or something. So uh, Jimmy Butler, again, coming back from COVID, he, he looks a lot thinner but he's still putting up almost triple doubles every night. He's still a top five small forward in the league. Um, they do have the assets, obviously, but I still think they need one more guy. Like They need a Beal. They need an Oladipo. They need a Kyle Lowry. They need a guy like that to put them in Philadelphia territory, but you don't see the Celtics beating Philly, oh man, we've seen a different side of Jalen Brown this year. This guy is looking like he's like outshine Ben Simmons by a large margin. So if I'm redoing that draft, call me crazy. I'm taking Jalen Brown over Ben Simmons. They're the two best young wings under twenty five, and if they can get like 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 we said about the raps getting a center, if they can get a center like Drummond or like a Carl Anthony Towns, then the Celtics are looking like a problem. But then, but then there's Alino saying that the Pacers they're not going to be a playoff team. And again, I was kind of there too. I wasn't really sure. But you have Rogdon who's erupted for like 22, five and six. And you have some bonus who can get you a triple double every game. Miles Turner's averaging four blocks a game, looking like a defensive player of the year. So, every obviously, it won't. It probably won't be this sunny in Indiana. You have TJ Warren coming back eventually. I don't know when that is, but they're gonna have to start passing the ball a little more. Guys like Aaron Holiday and TJ McConnell, they're great hustle guys. They're good on any team that they they go on, but. Right now, I really like Indiana over Miami, as crazy as that sounds. So I'll let you guys take the ball with that.
2: I think it was, um, yeah, just because, like, you look at the offseason and half the league flipped upside down, and the Pacers were, like, one of the only teams that didn't do anything. But the best thing that could have happened for them was Brogdon coming off the IR and jumping right back into that starting lineup, and he's averaging fucking 22 points a year or something like that. And, you know, another year of Sabonis coming off his first all-star appearance. Uh, TJ Warren's was the whole fucking year. It doesn't even, you wouldn't even think all their, all their forwards and young guards are stepping up. So this, this team's been together for a while. Uh, a lot of guys have been together, playing together for some time now. And, yeah, it's really Brogdon and Sabonis running the show over there. So if they finish ahead of Miami, I wouldn't be that surprised either, really.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised just because I didn't expect Sabonis to put like up these kind of numbers. Uh, like everyone knows he's a good player, but the way he's developed is he's like all-star, like elite level type of guy that you can build the team around, which is a nice change for them. Uh, considering like Paul George was that guy, and then he was gone, and they had all this promise there with Oladipo, Uh, then he's gone, so it gives them something good there. Brogdon to have him in fantasy. I uh, got him as a steal. Didn't think he was going to put these kind of numbers up either, so that's good. But, like, you got to evaluate, too. Like, how do they match up with Boston if they were to play them? How do they match up with Philly? Like, I they could be a surprise. I just don't see them upsetting those guys if they were to get to the second round. So, for that, I'll go. I think they're probably a year away from really making noise in the league.
0: I like it. Anything you guys want to add, or is that it for this week?
1: Give me Iguodala. (laughs) That's who Indiana doesn't have. You know who has them? Miami. So I'm going to go with the team that has Iguodala.
2: You know what, though? You say they're a year away. They're going to get Karis Levert next year. So that's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in.
0: Oh, God, I forgot about that. They even have Karis Levert. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah, they're, 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 they're going to be better than the Raps, if they're not already. They're, they're, they're going to be better than the Raps. So um, the thing that's hilarious that I keep bringing this up, and I'm always going to bring it up, is how the hell do you manage? Well, now Oladipo's gone, but how the hell do you manage to get Zabonis in that Paul George trade? Like, God damn, they got so lucky with that. He's definitely a franchise guy. There are, there are some people that just, they love Zabonis. They see him as almost a top 10 player. I mean, that's ridiculous. He's not top 10 player. But the numbers scream, you know, he's a fantasy stud. He's a great player. We could see he's even improving as a leader, like, year after year. And Turner, we like, again, I've always said to Piniello, like, I always thought Turner can maybe turn it on a little more offensively. But like the role he's playing right now is absolutely perfect. He's playing it well, so I love this Indiana team. I think the East is very competitive. Maybe other than I'll I'll say five five teams are up there, and it's very close. But I'm still giving the edge to the to the Sixers. And uh, in terms of the West, I mean the Lakers are they're far and away the best team. So um, hopefully the East it's it's a lot closer than we imagine because the the West is looking like a cakewalk right now for the Lakers.
2: Hey, Utah too.
0: (laughs) The the fuck's going on over there.
1: (laughs) I was a year off on that prediction.
0: (laughs) I don't take that seriously.
2: No, no, Um, but man, that is crazy.
0: You're coming off blowing a three, nothing lead. I'm not going to take anything you do seriously until it's the playoffs. I'm sorry. You could come in first place. I really like, well, okay, wait and see. Just like Barkley's, just like how Barkley views Mitchell.
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's cold.
0: <laughs> like everyone's saying he's an all star and, and, or a superstar. And, and, and Barkley's like, no, he's not. He's <laughs> not a superstar. Uh, what a bully. You give me a check. I love it. I love it. Stirring it up. Yeah. But that's it for this week. We talked hoop. We talked hockey. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about wrestling. We'll talk about the state of the WWE and how. It's looking pretty worrisome for the future. They're not really relying on their young stars, but that's for next week. This is Chris Martelli, Giancarlo Alino, Anthony Piniello, signing off.